in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. Ah, to put your backs into it, lads! Ahoy! Oh, heave! Oh, it's the last comic shop! There she blows! I don't even know if Vikings talk like that. It sounds more like a pirate, I guess. I was gonna say it. Uh, yeah, a pirate or somebody from Gloucester. <laughs> Get your fishing chips here! <laughs> as long as they have pointy hats, you're alright. Yeah. The horns and the... Yeah, you're good. More like Captain Crunch. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and welcome back to another week of The Last Comic Shop. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And boy, oh boy, do we got a lot to talk about on today's program, so we're just going to dive right into it. You don't get any food talk, you don't get any talk about comic books we picked up in buck bins. For on this show, we're talking Loki. And we got lots of Loki to talk about. Not only are we reviewing a terrific book that is pretty damn long. It's like, I don't know, 17, 20 issues? I don't know. It's called Loki, Agent of Asgard, The Complete Collection. Chad, who are the primary forces behind this book? So the big brainchild was uh, Al Ewing, who was the writer. Uh, and he did work with Jason Aaron for an original Sin tie-in, issues 5.1 to 5.5. The primary artist is Lee Garbett. Uh, Simone Bianchi uh, pitches in for those original Sin issues. Issues 6 and 7, it's Jorge Colo. And then back to Lee Garbett for the remainder of the series. Clayton Cowles does the letters. There's a variety of colorists, including Nolan Woodard, Adriano Dolphi, uh, Simone Bianchi, Simone Peruzzi, Paul Mounts, Lee Laufridge, and Antonio Fabella with Andre Spasa. That's a wow. lot. I've had some Andre Spasa before. It's oh it's good with a nice red wine. <laughs> Spread sticks. Anyways, if you're here for the Loki show, just stay tuned. Actually listen to a book that you can go out to a local comic book shop and pick up that has the same character. And I'm talking the same character. Because you don't get this book if there aren't a lot of teeny boppers that love Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Or as I call him, Tom Handsome Man. <laughs> they love his sweet, mischievous ass. But I'm serious. They 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 made basically Loki look exactly like Tom Hiddleston for this book. It came out right after the original Avengers movie. And the Avengers were super popular. So anyways, here comes the 10 cent synopsis for Loki, Agent of Asgard. You've basically got Loki rewritten as the Tom Hiddleston uh, version, which again was smart because everybody knew who he was. He was in movie screens everywhere. He was a heartthrob. And so ultimately, you know, Marvel kind of recasts this classic Marvel baddie as the Tom Hiddleston version. And in, in doing so, they kind of have to rewrite his character. So they kind of reintroduce him as kind of not so evil not so diabolical but more mischievous kind of 
I hate to say it in the early issues, he's almost like Doctor Who-ish. He's kind of like, ha-ha, foppish and kind of dandy, you know, British. And working for his mother, Freya, back in Asgard, kind of doing these good deeds in order to reverse bad deeds from his past. And it turns out one of the good deeds he does is stabbing Thor with a sword, and that brings back bad Loki, the Loki that we always know who's actually from the far future or whatever. Then you get into some other stuff. You get Original Sin. That's a tie-in where you find out that Thor and Loki's sister is Angela. I always thought it was Angela. Yeah, (laughs) Angela. Hey, Angela. (laughs) Anyways, the Neil Gaiman character that originally appeared in Spawn, you find that there's a 10th realm with all these angels. From there, you get some awesome issues with Doctor Doom, which I loved. And then that kind of bleeds into Axis, another big event that was going on at the Marvel Universe at the time, as well as Last Days into Secret Wars, one of my favorite events of all time, where basically the entire universe dies. There's a big Ragnarok battle, and Loki's trying to figure himself out throughout this. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he in between? I don't know. That's the 10 cents synopsis. That's the best you're going to get because there's a lot here. That's the thing. There is a lot here. And that's one of the things that I had an issue with. It covers not one, not two, not three, not four, but five seminal events. It's like the LeBron James of trade paperbacks. Got to get it all in in one thing. And for those of you listeners that may be like me and, you know, read the occasional comic book or coming back to comics after years and haven't been following along, we kind of need a crash course in these things. I was going to say, it's actually six major events. I just did some Googling. Angela first appeared in Marvel in Age of Ultron number 10. So that was one more event to tack onto the list. Anyway. <gasps> oh, I forgot about Age of Ultron. Oh, gosh. Carry on. Also, I think they mentioned Civil War at some point. But we're going to do uh, sort of a, a no whammies buzzer beater game. I want to hear the quickest, fastest Cliff Notes version of each of these events from the two of you. And I'm going to judge which one is the most succinct. So, basically, Chad's going to win every round. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try. All right, Marvel now. Okay, restarts the universe to make it new reader-friendly and add more diversity to uh, the cast of characters. Avengers was big. More comic books out there. (laughs) Gotta go with Chad. He gave more context, but I like your answer, Andrew. Okay. Original Sin. Okay. Watcher's eyeball gets stolen by the orb who also has an eyeball head. Everybody's secrets leak out from the Watcher's eye. Uh, Marvel Universe goes crazy. Bunch of secrets nobody cared about. Watcher dies. Nick Fury becomes the new Watcher. Ooh, point to Andrew bringing in the Nick Fury bit. Does he put the Watcher's eye in under his eye patch? Yeah, no, I don't think so. He just puts on a weird shroud and looks all creepy. And becomes the guy on the wall. Okay, next one up. I want Andrew to start off this one. Axis. Uh, Bad guys become good guys. Good guys become bad guys. Red Skull is Professor X. (laughs) Chad. Red Skull with Professor X's brain is onslaught and makes the good guys into bad guys and the bad guys into good guys. And Marvel Universe goes crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tie. You both get points on that one. (laughs) Last Days. 
200 issues of Hickman's run on Avengers. New Avengers and Fantastic Four ends up with worlds smashing together. Yeah, two worlds go boom. Everybody's watching. Marvel Universe goes crazy. That, that's Chad. <laughs> and finally, Andrew, I'll let you lead this as this is your favorite Secret Wars. Universe is recreated so that everybody says not, oh my god, but oh my doom. All right, universe is created, so everyone says not, oh my god, but oh my doom, and Mr. Fantastic wins. And the Marvel Universe goes crazy! (laughs) And doom takes every chance he can get to sleep with Reed Richards' wife. (laughs) Take his kids, which is really screwed up. Is that why Valeria is always hanging out with Dr. Doom? By the way, she is drawn way too old. Three-year-olds are not that tall walking around like that. I should also mention Miles Morales comes to the Marvel Universe because he gives the Molecule Man a hamburger. That is awesome. It's going to be my recommendation is Secret Wars. So many great moments in that series. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know, this complete collection, this Agents of Asgard. So now that we've given you the 10 cents and ops of all these events, J.A., can you give us some initial thoughts based on that? Yeah, it starts to fill in some of the gaps. Marvel Now, I didn't know it was the sort of kickoff to take advantage of Avengers, but it makes sense because this book doesn't get made if Tom Hiddleston and Avengers aren't a big hit, I think. And so you see a lot of that influence. I had some issues with the middle section. I thought it was kind of shoehorned in. Original Sin, not a nothing burger, but a lot of bits of stuff that you would take off to get down to a, a nice digestible piece of sandwich, I felt. I thought they tried to do too much. It's like, you know, you when you go to um, Primani Brothers, and you don't go with some of the original classics, but you go with one of those new ones, the specials that they've cooked up and they think people might like, and it turns out they've just added too many layers of stuff to the yes. sandwich. You go with the meat, you go with the slaw, you go with the fries, you go with the bread. That's it, man. Stay with the classics. That's true. And no, and I and I, I think I agree with that. Uh, this original sin, I know that they threw it in there because, you know, it is kind of relevant to this whole storyline they're building of like Loki not really knowing his place now that he's been kind of recreated as not always a bad guy. But at the same time, I think it could have easily been outside of this volume. It could have been its own book. And you're right, it's just taking up space. Yeah, and it and felt more like a Thor universe story than it was a Loki story. Yeah, but it took me out of it. And, you know, it, it didn't help that the art changed. So halfway through the book, you get a big section with totally different artist and a sort of different take. Uh, and then you go back to the original artist, which I actually had gotten used to and liked. It was just jarring. The whole thing was jarring. But other than that particular section, I even think the section before original sin the and the second half of the book they almost seem like two different series in fact the two issues with dr doom seems like its own thing it's like out there somewhere else i was gonna say it's like the whipped cream on the pie it's 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 a fun story it was interesting and it's nice to read but it doesn't add anything i think to the arc you know we're talking about like what four sections in this book was there one that stuck out to you to be like yeah this was the best part Definitely the the last day Secret Wars tie-in stuff where they're building up to um, all the Asgardians fighting Jotunheim and all these uh, the foes and and you know the it all builds to the greatest panel in the entire book for me 
which is a full two-page spread Odin holding a rail minigun <laughs> blasting away <laughs> evil Loki on a, on a dragon. Yeah, and, and Freya's got the two uh, M- M16s, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it, you're right. It's the best panel in the book. Where was Executioner during that? He's the machine gun guy. He should have been there. Yeah! It looks like that was a direct homage to the Executioner. Like, those seem to be his guns, and they were just put somewhere along. He should have brought them back. They brought back everybody else. What could they bring back? So, Chad, real quickly, your thoughts on this. It's hard for me to organize my thoughts around it, but I thought this book did the best of all of Marvel at that time of making chicken soup out of chicken scratch. And here, let me tell you what I mean. So you have the Avengers movie, which hits in 2012. It's the biggest movie. And what's going on in the Marvel Universe? But a ton of incomprehensible storylines where, and Andy will talk about this later whenever he gets into Secret Wars. You have to read 200 issues to really get the payoffs. And at the time that was going on, I was like, boy, you know, I enjoy Jonathan Hickman's work, but he was not the right guy to be writing Avengers because it was totally inaccessible for new people coming in off the street. And not only just what was going on with Secret Wars and the build-up there, but you have all these other events going on at Marvel. And, and looking back on it now, looking at through the lens of this book, they really did a great job, Al Ewing did, and Lee Garbett, of distilling all the craziness that was happening in the Marvel Universe down into a digestible story, which I thought was one of the only books that did a nice job of kind of wrapping up the Marvel Universe. Like, yeah. so many other books didn't even acknowledge that. And this one feels like there was an actual build here. And I'm sure for folks that, that weren't there at the time, you're like, what in the world is going on? But for somebody that was around, like, it finds a way to distill the, the things to their essence. Like, when Loki looks out and sees that planet crashing towards Earth, and it's, it picks out those most important points, and it plays with the rest. And the way the series is built around Loki being the god of lies and the god of mischief and ultimately the god of stories. I really like how it played out, especially early on with the humor and the adventure. And boy, did I love uh, Verity Willis. Has she come back in the Marvel Universe at all? Has anybody seen? I'm not sure. I I haven't been keeping up on uh, the more recent Loki. So that's something for our fans. If you If you know, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear whether she's still around. And I also like how they had her going for the Superhero Registration Act. Right. came out of the first uh, Civil War. But her power is she sees through everybody's lies. And they introduced her in that speed dating issue. That was fantastic. And, you know, you have this Loki who's trying to, to redeem himself and this Loki that's trying to not turn into what he knows he's eventually going to turn into. But he has her as his anchor. Call BS on all his stuff. I really loved her origin story, too. And I loved how they did it. They didn't give it to you at the beginning. You you just kind of assume she can see through all the bullshit. And then and then towards the end of the book, you actually get an origin story for her. And you find out that it's because of this magical ring that her dad had, that her grandfather gave her dad. And her dad dropped it on the ground when she was a baby. And she picked it up and swallowed it. And it dissolved and it became a part of her essence. I thought that was really cool. That's a nice little touch. And even better was the fact that that ties in to the Walt Simonson run. The introduction of Malekith and all that has has allusions to that. And then also, you have all the allusions to all the old school Marvel villains. You get the Red Skull. Doctor Doom shows up. Like, yeah, Hela at the end. And then all the Thor Norse mythology stuff, which 
I, I feel like every time I read that stuff, it's new to me. But I'm like, oh, that's really neat. Like, I, I've read it before, so, like, there are hints of things. Like, when I see the serpent come up, like, oh, that's bad news. But, like, it, it's always fun. Um, and I always get a kick out of it. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I really liked it. And I thought this actually tied things together nicely. And looking at it as, as the complete collection, it actually flowed really well and told a really satisfying story in the end. Well, I, I was going to say that for me, uh, the story was very similar to Secret Wars, which I'm going to bring up in my recommendation in the fact that, like, for a while there, I was like, I, I don't know where this is going. You know, I talked about this almost being like four separate books where you get like the first four or five chapters, which are like, hey, this is Tom Hiddleston kind of being the doctor. And hey, here's Verity, which will be his companion. It's kind of similar to what Dan Slott was doing with Silver Surfer at the time with like, hey, the Silver Surfer is the doctor. And I don't know, Don Greenwood's his companion. And they have this, oh, this little platonic relationship, friendship, romance. Are they going to get together? Are they not? You know, and, and and I didn't buy it. Like, I didn't feel it was very satisfying for this first five issues i just felt like loki was just again running around like hey i'm manic british guy that's trying to keep things together and and using my intelligence to outwit enemies like that was great but i've seen it like a thousand times as a major doctor who fan and then you get into to original sin and that was like a thor book mm. you know that doesn't have anything really to do with much and and then you get into the doctor doom books and i just love those because i love doctor doom but it wasn't <laughs> until the end Again, to J.A.'s point, when you start getting into those last day sections leading up to Secret Wars, and that's when Al Ewing really turns on his ability to kind of dissect characters from a psychological standpoint. He's doing it right now in Immortal Hulk. You know Bruce Banner. He's got all those multiple personalities. So ultimately, that's a field day when it comes to you know a psychological analysis of somebody. But you get that with Loki. You get this character that basically has talked about how everyone made him out to be a bad guy. He was shunned by his mother. Uh, Everybody thought he was going to be a liar, a trickster, a thief. They just thought ill of him like his entire life. And so eventually just said, yeah, I believe it now. Like, that's who I am. Like, I can't be anything else than this. And he goes through this revelation, the ego death, where he just says, screw it. If this is what people think of me. I don't have to really, you know, agree with it. I don't have to wrapped up in what people think of me. I can create my own destiny and my own path that's like separate from everybody else. And I thought it was really powerful. So like towards the end of the book, you start getting into that a little bit more. And that final issue that happens in this big white space where he takes off the old Loki's mask and it just ends up being the young Loki underneath. The Scooby-Doo moment. He would have gotten away with it if it had been for those crazy kids. That's right. And it, it felt very satisfying at the end. So I get it that Chad was agreed. Like, you know, they, they had a lot to work with here. But at the end of the day, I'm really glad that this stuck the landing. Because if it hadn't, I probably have a different rating for this particular book. And I really like Loki's character. I thought they they didn't play it safe with him. Uh, and they could have, you know, he's he's just come out the big movies just come out and they could have just sort of stayed within that and uh i really like how they played with his shape-shifting ability and sort of made him non-binary is that a thing that's new to this series where he's half of the time he's like female loki male loki is he man is he woman is he brother is he 
I was going to say I'm going to tell you about a book where there's a horse Loki, but uh, he has played with gender roles before and been Lady Loki, so it has been a thing. Yeah, I really enjoyed that part of it. I I thought it brought an an added dimension to the story. And one of the other things I liked was kind of like of a reader's preconceived notions about what Loki is, especially old guard like us, which... You know, I'm sure there was a lot of folks that saw the Tom Hiddleston Loki. And again, kind of like I said, kind of a little bit grumpy old man at the beginning of the show. We're like, oh, I can't believe they just recast him. That's just pandering to the masses that, you know, watch this movie. Not true comic book fans like give me back my old Loki. And they even talk about this in there. They're like, this is the Loki that everybody wants. And they they show the picture of the old Loki with the huge horns and the, you know, big giant grin. That's the, because they're saying that's what the comic book fans, that's the one they want because that's the one they're used to. But the Loki can be rewritten. The This new Loki can be just as wonderful as the old Loki. And you can accept this kind of change, which I thought was good because that's what comic book fans need. They need people to push their boundaries a little bit, give them something different once in a while turns loki on his head the idea of loki that wants to to atone the idea of loki that wants to do well but he's guilt-ridden for the crime that shall not be forgiven and i also let me just say i i didn't understand a lot of that <laughs> i don't think a lot of the norse mythology that kind of flies over my head but i'm just like all right well, good guy bad guy okay whatever well kind of the challenge uh, our listeners preconceived notions of our show we're gonna actually jump right into ratings because uh, we've got some more Loki to cover right after this commercial break. So we're going to go ahead and get the rating for Loki Agents of Asgard. So as always, one out of four scale. And uh, J.A. Scott is going to give us our rating scale for this particular book. Well, the ratings for this week is pretty easy. It's one out of four Lokis. (laughs) (laughs) Kid Loki, old Loki. Female Loki, young Loki, not quite so young, taller Loki. There's handsome Loki and then roughed up handsome Loki with his missing tooth. Wolf Loki. Loki who came back and spoke differently and had hair on his chest. Yeah, furry Loki. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and start with somebody not named Loki, and that is Chad Smith. So, Chad, how many Lokis are you giving Loki agent of Asgard? As a whole, I really enjoyed this. And we'll talk with us with recommendations like boy, did this pique my interest in the Thor universe and so many things that were going on in the Thor universe. But at the same time, I also thought there were parts that were kind of superfluous that, you know, didn't really belong here or could have fit somewhere else. And they did that thing that I hate where they mix up artists mid story. Mm. And I I can understand a different artist from arc to arc. You want to have Lee Colo come in for those fill in issues like that. I totally get for me. It's unforgivable to go back and forth between artists mid story like did they did with those original sin stories also it just bothers me that marvel started numbering things 5.1 and 5.2 and it just pisses me off mm. and so because that happened in here uh they're gonna take a little bit of a deduction i'm gonna say three and a half loki's <laughs> wow so like three full grown and then the kid loki he's like hanging around yeah I feel bad digging it just because, like, at the end of the day, it was a great story. It was, you know, a great story about stories, and I, I totally dig that. But it's just some of the middle was soft. Okay. J.A., what is your rating? Yeah, I think I have to agree with Chad on on the middle section. The original Sin stuff, I would have I been fine reading that 
as its own separate trade paperback, you know, and gotten more of that whole Angela story and then back and forth. I, I thought here it felt shoehorned in. It it was, yeah, Loki was there, but it was also very much a Thor story and an Angela story. or uh, so. And I also didn't dig the art changes in that. That being said, the main arc introducing new Loki and, you know, him trying to atone and then the whole arc, which is Ragnarok and, and the North mythology of, of death and rebirth. Uh, and you said, you know, oh, I really loved how they stuck the landing. I think they stuck the landing because we went from the concept of, you know, Loki finding out about himself and wanting to atone for what he's done in the past and, and be reborn to Ragnarok and, and all of the gods wanting to do the same thing. So it went from how does Loki deal with it to how does the entire universe deal with the same concepts. And that's why I think it works so well. But didn't need that middle section. It was a waste of my time. Every time Angela was on the screen, it looked like Jim Lee was drawing her. She's not a fan. <laughs> Everybody else in the panel looked different, but she always looked like a Jib Lee character. And I was just like, eh, eh, eh. so I'm just giving it three. <laughs> okay. No ghost baby. All, right. All with various sized horns. I, I'm, I think I'm going to ding it a little bit further than both of you, because as the host and our particular show is about trying to get folks into the comic book tent, I picked this book because I thought it was going to be a good book for other folks out there that maybe have never read any Loki that now watched, you know, this first episode of the show to go out there and pick up and get really a crash course in Loki. And at the end of the day, I don't think it was. I don't think it was a very good book for that. I think you honestly have to know a lot about the Marvel Universe in order to really get a lot of what's going on. Mm. Although, again, there's great moments, great pieces of dialogue. And Al Ewing, he could write anything, in my opinion, now because he was basically given a shoebox full of junk and told to sort it. And that's what he did to the best of his ability. But at the end of the day, it was still a shoebox full of junk. It was like, again, like five, six events that he had to tie together at the same time as telling a story that, you know, was rewriting one of the major baddies of the Marvel Universe. So I think there's just too much stuff here. And so that's why it's getting too Loki at the very least. I might have even dinged it lower. It could have been a 1.75 in my opinion. I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad that I read it. I mean, it's it's still Al Ewing and it's still Lee Garbett. And I like Lee Garbett's art. Like Odin is blowing into that massive thorn uh, at Ragnarok. Like all the Ragnarok issues were just fun uh, and had wonderful visuals. But at the end of the day, like it was kind of a hodgepodge of collectness, collectness, junk. And that's not good for a new reader. It's not. But what is good for new readers is talking about MCU-related TV shows and movies. Because everyone loves those. And we'll have one of those right after these commercial breaks as we'll talk about the first episode of the Loki Disney Plus TV show. So stay tuned. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? 
Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. back with more of the last comic shop and as promised we're going to get to the thing that everybody's been waiting for not comic book reviews but tv reviews yes tv movies these are the ways that people ingest their comic books nowadays whether it's the loki tv show that we'll be talking about today or any of the number of other shows that are so numerous that Heck, I don't even get to watching half of them. I started Sweet Tooth, got like two episodes in, said this is really good, and moved on to other things. <laughs> Did the same thing with Modoc, and haven't even watched that Jupiter Legacy show. It's already I... canceled. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> there you go. Hey, guys, have you watched any of the other ones other than the one we'll be talking about today? Have you watched the Sweet Tooth? Have you watched the Modoc? I caught some of the Modoc. It was pretty fun. I was wondering whether you'd watch the Modoc, Chad, because you were a big fan of the Harley Quinn. Um, I feel like it skews way closer to Robot Chicken than Harley Quinn. I don't know. I feel like it could be really good. The episode and a half or so that I saw, I was like, ah, it's pretty good. I like Patton Oswald. I bet it gets better. <laughs> I just didn't think it had as strong of characterization. I mean, by the end of season two of Harley Quinn, you really liked Harley Quinn. Like, you were pulling for you. And you liked all the characters. They did a really good job of, like, flushing out all of the characters. And Modoc just seems like a setup for our next gag. But- with the Harley Quinn show, which I really liked, I watched the first two episodes and I thought, ah, eh, this is okay. It's it's be at best, but then I kept watching it and it turned out really good. So Modoc's got potential. All right. Well, JA, have you watched any of these other comic book related programs recently? I have not, though I'm I've been holding off on the Netflix show so I can binge it. Maybe I'll watch it this weekend. Okay. But uh, one thing you can't binge because they're only releasing one episode at a time because that's what Disney Plus likes to do is Loki. You can watch the first episode and you can watch the second episode tomorrow because it's coming out on Wednesdays. New comic day. It is day after new last comic shop day. That's the way I look at it. But if you've watched the first episode of the Loki TV series, you'll know that there's a lot of folks involved with this program. And Chad's going to list at least some of them. So, Chad, okay. who was involved with the Logie TV series for those people that haven't watched it yet? Okay, tons of great people, including Tom Handsome Man, a.k.a. Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Uh, Owen Wilson, who is not as handsome as uh, Mobius. Uh, Me Musaku is Hunter B-15. She's yeah. the one who's always poking and prodding him. So Eugene Cordero is Casey, the office guy. Uh, Tara Strong, who... For all the bronies out there, and uh, who's done a lot of work in the DC animated world, she was Miss Minutes. And then there are a lot of other folks that uh, I feel like might be spoilers if I mention their names. Uh, Sasha Lane is in it, Richard Grant, Sophia DiMartino. Gugu Mbatha Raw, also in it. She was in a couple Doctor Who episodes. Also known for Black Mirror. There you go. And I, I won't lie that my favorite part of this whole show was the Miss Minutes thing. Super kitschy and neat and kind of throwbacky, and and I loved it. But speaking of that, the ten cent synopsis for the first episode of the Loki TV series. Listen, Loki Lockinson 
is unstuck in time. Somewhere in Endgame, the Avengers come back through time in a kind of quest to get the Infinity Stones to do their thing in Endgame. So Loki grabbing the Tesseract and kind of escaping, he has jumped outside of his preordained fate to eventually die at the hands of Thanos. Yes, for, for those MCU wonks out there. He he escapes long before any of the other events in like Dark World or Ragnarok. And in doing so, this pisses off the TVA. And that's not the Tennessee Valley Authority. That is these time folks that make sure that they protect the sacred timeline. They start talking about like a multiversal war that happened, which kind of was cool because that's kind of like Secret Wars, which again, we'll talk about in my recommendations later on in this program. But again, there was this big multiversal war. And as a result, three huge timekeepers decided that they were going to keep a sacred timeline. And Loki jumping out of his preordained fate has actually broken that timeline. So he's brought into this kind of limbo place which looks like a giant office, a bureaucracy times 10. And uh, there he meets Mobius, who's an agent, who kind of saves him from being basically erased. Uh, and he does so, so that Loki can potentially help him track down Loki, who yeah. is kind of a rogue agent killing all of our other TVA people. Yeah, everyone going into this thought it might have been Mephisto, because they had uh, an earlier um, teaser for the series showed this picture of, oh, this is the guy we're tracking, and it was a stained glass window of uh, a horned demon, and everyone assumed that was Mephisto, but uh, director said, no, 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 we didn't mean that to be Mephisto, that's just supposed to look like Loki and his horns. And I was like, that's lame. (laughs) That's the biggest problem with the the whole MCU, is Mephisto was a massive part of... uh, Infinity Gauntlet never never got his due, so I was hoping that we would see some Mephisto. You're not the only person, because there's been a lot of fans, that they were clamoring for that during WandaVision. They were like, where's Memphisto? Memphisto's going to show up this episode. If I hear any more Memphisto, I'm going to Memphisto somebody in the face. Uh, so in any case, yeah, that's the 10 cent synopsis, and we already got some initial thoughts from J.A. about how he was really pissed off that we didn't get the horned beast. Um, but uh, J.A., there's a lot of this show that uh, I ended up having to go back and reread some old Thor books after the episode aired because I completely forgot about the TVA. Yeah, it was created in the Walt Simonson Thor run. Uh, A couple things that I really loved in the original that didn't get translated, I understand why, because it's television and that would be too confusing, but in the Earth 616 TVA, the Marvel Comic Edition, Mobius E. Mobius, everyone in the TVA looks like him. And he's meant to look like uh, Mark Grunwald. Yes. who was the keeper of the Marvel timeline, you know, sort of the editor who, who made sure that all the different writers and, and artists and stuff within Marvel were, were keeping track of the of the stories going forward. So I just love the idea that the TVA was, was powered by all of these, like, essentially it's like the IRS of Marvel. <laughs> it's a bunch of pencil-pushing office people. Right. I mean, again, uh, growing up in the 80s, I was a huge fan of the, the you know, the Marvel handbooks. Uh, we talked about that last week when we were talking about the comic book history of animation. You know, those Marvel handbooks that were basically these neat guides to all the characters. Mark Grinwald was the guy that really spearheaded that initiative. He was tired of people writing stories and having characters in and out and not 
there not really being a continuity. Uh, and he thought that it would be more freeing for writers if there was like an encyclopedia of characters that they could pull from and say, this is what this character did, you know, 10 issues ago or 20 issues ago or 50 issues ago. And so that they could use that for story plots going forward. And so it is kind of neat that they use Mark Grunwald as their uh, inspiration for Mobius, you know, this main continuity keeper uh, with the, within the TVA at Marvel. And uh, even neater that they made uh, Owen Wilson kind of look like him. Although, again, you might have seen my Twitter feed. I kind of posted a picture of the action figure, and it just kind of looks like Paul Newman from the 80s. Well, the, prob- the problem with the action figure is the nose isn't broken like 15 million times. <laughs> I swear, every time I see an Owen Wilson movie, his nose is broken again. And even worse. Like, it just keeps progressively getting worse and worse. It's just like, I, I, maybe he's a prize fighter in his in his spare time. I, I feel bad picking on somebody's appearance, but I, I kept being distracted by the shape of his head. There's a lot going on there. From the nose, like, the nose is just the tip of the iceberg. Pun not intended. But there's a lot of weird stuff going on with Owen Wilson as far as his head goes. So, Chad, uh, what were your initial thoughts, real quickly, of the first episode of Loki? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I'm somewhere in the middle. I thought it was not nearly as fun as it could have been. Like, there was a lot of exposition. There was a lot of going backwards and reminding you of scenes that have happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There are some things where I have questions, like, what's the official uh, Coulson thing is he dead is he resurrected is he an agent of shield or agent of not shield i don't know it doesn't matter but yeah when when owen wilson popped up now keep in mind for as much smack as i want to talk about owen wilson and his face i love owen wilson i think he's really funny i think he's a great actor and I, i expected him to be more fun than he was and so i am anticipating more fun and more mischief as the series goes along but I felt like this first episode was a lot of setting things up and explaining complicated rules. And I was a little bit bored by it, but I'm like, okay, okay, this will pay off, I'm sure. The MCU and the MCU shows, uh, they've earned my trust even after, you know, just two shows before. But I wasn't super duper impressed, but I'll stick with it. Okay. J.A., your thoughts? I thought it was the best Doctor Who episode I've seen in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, the last couple years of Doctor Who have been really good. Come on, now. I really love the whole, like, late 70s, early 80s tech that the TVA uses. You know, they're using all these cathode ray tube TVs and uh, tape decks and all this, like, retro tech. Everything is beige and brown. Yeah. There was a robot that looked suspiciously like Herbie. I'm just saying. I, yeah. I thought that was Herbie at first. Yeah. 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 The elevator. And so that made me happy because I'm I, I'm one of the few people that like Herbie. <laughs> and <laughs> but no, I was a little underwhelmed at times during this program. I think uh, Chad hit the nail on the head with saying like there was a lot of retread. Like I didn't really need to see all of you know Loki's life and all the things that happened. I, I like the way it was done to kind of drive home to Loki that, yeah, like he isn't some great, you know, God sitting up on a pedestal, but he's just like this dude that eventually will meet a pretty untimely death kind of as a sobering moment for Loki. But again, I didn't need to see all of it. Yeah. And I think that actually was the worst part of the episode for me because it took me out 
of the suspension of disbelief because you know Loki's supposed to be coming from 2012 right after Avengers but of course while Loki the character doesn't age Loki the actor Tom Hiddleston has aged and he looks significantly older right and so it was 10 years later that to me was a bit jarring you know what it is quite a handsome man Yes, yeah, I know, it just looks older. It's the comic book equivalent, basically, is you're seeing two different artists draw Loki now, from I panel to panel. By and you hate too. that, Chad. I do, but here's the problem. Because comic books are very much so different than movies in that you can continue to redraw comic characters the same way. And like Jay was alluding to, in movies, the actors age as a result of that, you're going to start seeing, you know, replacement characters or characters shuffled off the board and so on and so forth. And in an instance like this, like, I liked the character growth that Loki had, you know, across all the Avengers movies leading up to Infinity War. Although I, I thought his uh, his demise was, was a little too quick and, you know, he deserved better as a character. But I don't know if I want to watch Loki go back and retread all those lessons that he learned and character growth that he had. There has to be right. something does that, more to it. Does that cheapen basically everything he's gone through before, everything we went through with him as the character? Because now he's got to be differently, and as I said, while he's meant to be playing a younger Loki, he looks like an older Loki, because Tom Hiddleston is older. Yeah, it's where you really run into the limitations of film and people and reality, as opposed to comic books, where it's all pencils and pens. Or yes. Before we get to ratings, though, real quickly, I wanted to get one last question out to you folks. We just read a book in which we saw a, a different kind of Loki. Odds that we get a female Loki by the end of this series. Uh, I think I read an article that said that's happening, so I'm going to say real good. <laughs> I, I, I was actually more going with like permanently. Like, I think there's going to be a permanent change. I think Tom Hiddleston's going to be done with this role, and we're going to get female Loki going forward. That's my thought on this. I don't know if we get a female Loki all the time going forward, but it would be nice if Tom Hiddleston becomes, like, old Loki. And so then you've got a younger Loki, and maybe uh, a Loki actor-actress, one that can switch between the two. Like a a transgender Loki or or a non-gender Loki. There you go. So, ratings. We'll start off with Chad. Chad, what did you think of it? At one out of four scale. Uh, I thought it was a solid B, so we'll say three out of four Loki staffs, three out of four unused Infinity Stones. <laughs> yes, I love that. Uh, I think that was not explained well enough that because they're out of their own timeline, they have no power. And I, I wanted to see if there was, yeah, what else was in that drawer that, you know, was there... It looked like there was a cross, and I was like, is that the cross of Coronado? <laughs> For all of our last crusade folks out there... Uh, <laughs> that that start that did start filming, by the way, Indiana Jones number five with all the DH. Anyways, yeah, I, I think it's it's solid setup, a little bit boring. So two and a half useless Infinity Stones. I'll I'll say the same. I think it was a two and a half. Uh, I I'm, I'm interested to see where the series goes, but it's like anything else. Those episodes that set up stuff. They can be a little bit dry. So if you watch this episode, I, I would say stick with it because I think there's better things coming from there. And if you're expecting Kang to show up in this, I don't think that's happening either. Mm. A lot of folks thought that Kang was one of the three timekeepers. Nah, the timekeepers are drawn like that in the comic books. So 
Uh, Kang is definitely his own thing. And um, that, that, that raises a question. Are we going to get a big bad? Because if you look at um, the the WandaVision, there wasn't really a big bad in that one. Well, no, I guess there was Agatha Harkness. I take that back. So uh, who's going to be the big bad? Are we going to get a big bad in this? Loki. Loki's going to be the big bad. <laughs> so he's going to be the big bad and the big good. Yeah. He's going to be That's the, the, the Heisenberg. Yeah, that's that is the wonderful thing about time travel stories. You can have multiple versions of the same character and they can be on opposite sides. Kind of an interesting thought, to be honest. We never got the doctor fighting the doctor. That's one thing that they didn't do in Doctor Who. All right, we'll be right back with our recommendations right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of The Last Comic Shop. Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, as well as distributor Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So... If you're interested in how independent films get made or the process of filmmaking. Also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, tune into my show, The St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. It's now time for recommendations. Yep, we usually do this section after the ratings, but since you've got two sets of ratings already, uh, we're going to do it now. And as always on recommendations, where we give you other comic books that you can check out at your local comic book shop, we like to give you a similar book, a current book, and a book out of left field. Now, again, I don't know exactly where these particular books we picked for this week are going to fall, but we'll figure it out as we go. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start off with Chad Smith, who's going to give us his book and his recommendation for this week. So, Chad, what do you got for us? All right. Can I claim the current book since this has just come out within the last year? The trade has just hit stands. And I think the first issue of volume two should be in your comic shops June 16th, which is coming up here. I'm going to recommend Norse Mythology. <laughs> which was a six-issue miniseries based off of Neil Gaiman's uh, Norse mythology book. He wrote a real book where he went and took some of those tales and retold them uh, in a way that's a little bit more palatable. And P. Craig Russell and a bunch of his friends, including people like Mike Bignola, Jerry Ordway, Jill Thompson ships in uh, for some stuff, Dave Stewart, they take turns telling all these various stories of Norse mythology. And that's one of the parts of, of Loki that I loved here was all the Norse mythology. And every time I get into Thor, like I said, those stories, they're just so fun. And there's a part of them that makes no sense to me, but they know they don't make any sense. And they're <laughs> still bombastic and silly and wonderful. And so uh, one of the stories I alluded to that was Loki centric. So Loki, the, the God of mischief makes a bet uh, with this guy that he can't build this wall within a set time and you know if he doesn't make it in time the wall is free does make it then he gets to marry freya and all this stuff so anyway 
this guy starts building the wall, and after a couple of days, he's like, oh, no, he's going to build this wall. And, uh, and everybody's like, hey, you can't let him build this wall, Loki. We're all going to be in trouble. Uh, you know. And so Loki turns himself into a horse. And <laughs> as he turns himself into a horse, he does this so he can lead this other guy's horse away who is helping him build this wall so quickly. And, ah. Uh, yeah. And so, and a little bit of a spoiler alert, after uh, everything's done, and, and you know, Loki disappears for about eight, eight months and then comes back uh, with a horsey kid <laughs> because basically he was a lady horse. <laughs> oh. And so this horsey kid is like nuzzling up to him. And, you know, it's one of those things that people talk about at parties when Loki's not around. But I mentioned that the horsey kid has eight legs, but. It's fun, ridiculous stories like that that, like I said, no sense. It's just Loki horsing around at that point. <laughs> uh, well, somebody was horsing around with Loki, but uh, he took one for the team. It's it's a great story. The P. Craig Russell, you know, his art is wonderful. That David Mack did the alternate covers on these. They are beautiful. I love the David Mack stuff. The volume one was just collected. You could find it in hardback at your local comic shop. And Volume 2 is just getting ready to begin. So Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman and P.K. Russell and a bunch of others. It's tons of fun. All right. Up next, we've got J.A. Scott. And what, what, what is since it's not a current pick, what is this? A similar pick? Is it? And similar as well. Uh, taking off of what Chad just said about horse mythology and Norse horse mythology, <laughs> we've got Betteray Bill, God Hunter. Galactus has destroyed the home world of the Corbinites, a race that Betteray Bill was created to protect, and now he has no purpose in life. So he seeks vengeance and the destruction of Galactus, and this puts him in a direct fight with lots of different cosmic characters, including my favorite, the Silver Surfer, and he, you know, you get a lot of fights. You, you, Bill has to go through the, he goes through this whole, uh, transition where he's trying to save this race of gerbil-like people, but it ends up unlocking their, like, ancient war-like abilities. And so... They become like of, the, the murder bears? The evil Yes! Ones. Yes! And, and so, so, that leads him to, uh, he can't pick up Stormbreaker anymore because uh, he's lost, you know, he's no longer worthy. So he builds this armor for himself, which leads to one of the greatest exchanges like he comes down on this planet and surfers there is like surfers stop bill you can't do this i've got to stop you <laughs> and he's like all charged up with these weapons like, you'll have to fight me and surfer goes no i will fight you but only with my words and better bill's like dude that's not fair <laughs> and, and surfer goes better ray what are these better ray ray guns better ray guns <laughs> what are those that's just so you get some some really nice writing. The, the art's good. Some of the plot is a bit, you know, ham-fisted, I would agree. But uh, uh, you you like that cosmic aspect of uh, the Thor-Loki series we just were reading. Then this definitely has that in spades. Uh, it's by Kieran Gillen with art by Cano and inks by Cano and Alvarez Lopez. Yes. I, I it's amazing how many really great better Ray Bill series are. I, I mean I think it's I think if you get that character you you end up having to write good books. 
I mean, there's the new Better Ray series, Better Ray Bill series that's out now. That's like going like gangbusters, and like, and, and then you go back to Walt Simonson. Like, is there a bad Better Ray Bill book? I don't, I don't think know. there ever is. Yeah. Better Ray Bill, he's like you know that that little extra bit of sugar that you put on on sweets, or that extra little bit of salt that you put on the bacon. It yes. just adds that. It's like everything you want to do with Thor, but you can't. So you're like, nah, we'll give it to Horse Thor. It's fine. (laughs) So anyways, uh, we've alluded to it a lot. My recommendation for this week, I've said it, Secret Wars. It's out of left field, but it's not because everything that we've talked about today kind of leads back to this. Yeah, don't let Andy fool you. It's not just Secret Wars. Tell them what they're in for, Andy. That's right. Uh, This is the seminal event, folks. And I'm not talking about the original Secret Wars. That's great, too. Don't don't get me wrong. You should read that if you're a comic book fan. But if you've been listening to our show now, and you've been listening to it for some time, and now you are back into comics, you're like, I love Andy, I love Chad, I love J.A., I love the recommendations they give. I am in the comics mood to read. I want to pick up books what can I pick up lots of and read all summer? Secret Wars and all of the books leading up to the Secret Wars event that happened in 2015. That's what you got to do this summer. So first, it all starts with Fantastic Four 570. That is the first issue that was done by Jonathan Hickman. That's where it all starts. And so you have to read all of Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four, leading through the death of Johnny Storm. Uh, you know, Annihilus comes. Then they set up the Future Foundation, which is pretty much where Spider-Man joins the group. And they try to bring in all these other folks. And they, they try to make the world better for in Johnny Storm's absence or whatever. So you have to read all of that. Then you got to move over to Jonathan Hickman's Avengers. And, and when you get into Jonathan Hickman's Avengers, not only do you have to read the main book, but then you have to read the second book he was writing at the time, which is The New Avengers, which has actually nothing to do with any sort of young Avengers or you know Luke Cage's team. It actually has to do with the Illuminati, like the top heroes, Iron Man and Charles Xavier and Doctor Strange and Black Panther. Uh, All of those guys. And they even bring Captain America on this time because Cap would have thrown his shield at him. And within like two issues, like they mind wipe Cap and kick him off the team. And that sets up this huge freight train. And so you read through all of Avengers, all of the new Avengers through Infinity, which introduces all of the Corvus Glaive and all of those. Corvus Glaive. That's a terrible name, but I love it. (laughs) That's right. All those characters from the Infinity War movie that you might know, they're all introduced in that that Infinity series. But you read all through that. And then you eventually get the last days where like all the universes start imploding upon each other. And that sets up Secret Wars where Doctor Doom somehow saves what remains of the universe through his actual wisdom. Like he actually outfought intergalactic super powerful beings to save what little he had of the universe. But he sets himself up as God of that universe. And that sets up all these battle worlds and all these great little things. Uh, But somehow Reed Richards survives him and a small group of heroes as well as Thanos. And you get actually then into Secret Wars, which is a nine issue series. So don't just read the nine issues. Read all 200 that happened before that. Because you won't get the nuance of every single word. That's right. You will not understand the last line 
everything lives unless you read everything before it. You're knee deep into the Hickman X-Men right now, so you know what this is like. Only this spans not just the Avengers, the Illuminati, but the Fantastic Four. And then he blows up the whole universe. And then he recreates it. And it's so satisfying. It really, really is. Arguably my favorite superhero event of all time. And it's because I took the time to read everything. So if you're a comic book fan and you listen to our show, put your money where your mouth is. Find all the issues. You can find most of them in buck bins now. Find it. Read it. It's good. So you're saying you're saying that this event was better than Deathmate. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Just by a, a smidge. You know, it, it, it obviously doesn't have, I don't know, Chapel teaming up with Bloodshot. So I, I guess... I missed out on that. Could have used more Liefeld, I think. But whatever. <laughs> well, what we're not missing out on, and what you shouldn't miss out on, is more episodes of The Last Comic Shop. You can check them out at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific website where we've got all of our past episodes. And that's another thing you should do over the summer. You should listen to our, all of our old episodes, because there's great things in there. Uh, there's reviews of WandaVision, if you liked our review of Loki. There's reviews of other four books, like we did... Uh, Donny Cates' where he becomes the Herald of Galactus. That was earlier on. So rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, CastBox, Pandora, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other places. And while you're out on our website, you should also get yourself some fantastic merchandise. That's right. Everything in green this week, just for Loki. So, and I have to say, the green t-shirt with the last comic shot logo is looking very, very smart. Very mischievous. Yes, and, and you can get it in both male or female or non-binary. <laughs> Does it come in horse? I don't know. Do we have a saddle? I'm not sure. <laughs> we should. Maybe a bridle. And while you have your horse bridle, you could take that to your local comic shop and show that off. Uh, don't have a local comic shop? You can go to the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com. Find a place near you where you can find all of the stuff we talked about today, whether it was books about Loki, which I thought this one was good. I thought, you know, as a companion to uh, Secret Wars, it was a really great piece. You could find all those Secret Wars issues that Andy was talking about, and there are a lot of them that'll keep you coming back to your comic shops. Or you can find, you know, all sorts of Beta Ray Bill, Norse mythology. It's all there waiting for you. So go check it out and support those local businesses that keep our industry that we love running. <laughs> all right. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined always by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered. And until next week, when we give you more horseplay that I'm sure you're chomping at the bit for. It's not chomping at the bit, it's champing at the bit. Who says champing at the bit? It's not. Yeah, it's, it's the stupid expression. It's about <laughs> biting down on the thing the horses bite down on. They're not champers, they're chompers. Don't come to horse races unless you know the terminology. Pump. <laughs> <laughs> The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production. <laughs> <laughs>